Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Are you tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? Well, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Do I think Bachelor in Paradise is gone forever? My opinion is, yeah, it is. I don't think we're ever going to see this show again. I think Bachelor in Paradise, as we know it, is done as a franchise. Welcome to Here to Make Friends, a HuffPost podcast about the Bachelor franchise, where we lovingly snark on The Bachelor and Bachelor-adjacent shows. Whether you love The Bachelor or love to hate it, we're here to break down every single delicious moment with you. I'm Emma Gray. And I'm Claire Fallon. Today is a somber day in Bachelor Nation. Um, First, a little housekeeping. If you haven't heard, just get this out of the way up front. There's no Bachelorette episode recap today because the show was bumped last night by the NBA Finals. Congrats to the Golden State Warriors. But of course, we do have something to talk about, um, unfortunately, and, and it's a much more serious situation than we usually address on this podcast. As you probably know, the production of season four of Bachelor in Paradise was shut down this week, um, what looks like to be permanently, after allegations of sexual misconduct involving two cast members. There's currently a lot of rumor flying around, a lot of reports uh, based on anonymous sources. So it's kind of unclear exactly what happened, and it might be a while before we find out. But what seems pretty much clear at this point is that a field producer filed a third-party complaint with Warner Brothers, which is producing the show, after two contestants had a drunken encounter on the first day of filming. So to sort through all of this a little bit, we will be joined in a little bit by Reality Steve, who has been reporting on the episode, and by Michael Garofola, a former cast member on The Bachelorette and Season 2 of Paradise, who will help us put this situation in context. A lot of us in, in the fandom of Bachelor Nation have already jumped to a lot of conclusions about what went down. Um And assumptions are already flying all over the place about who is at fault in this situation. We just, you know, before we dive into it, we just want to emphasize that it's far too soon to jump to any hard and fast conclusions about what happened. And it's definitely inappropriate to cast vitriol at any contestants. Uh, We want to urge everyone to remember that all parties involved are human beings And uh, let's all just exercise some compassion and maybe a higher level of responsibility than we might normally when discussing this show, um, when talking about this situation. Yeah. Um, We've already seen on social media people slut-shaming Corinne. We've seen some really nasty racist comments about Demario. 
Um, we've seen anger at both of them that they were involved in an incident that led to the show being shut down. People are disappointed it won't be happening. We get that, but it's really not okay, and it's especially not okay to uh, attack uh, people's sexuality or their race or their gender, um, and it, it will never be okay. Um, and especially now, we really urge you all to take a beat before you put out any anger or criticism uh, about a situation that we just aren't clear about at all. Yeah, it's just been it's been really upsetting for us to and I'm sure for a lot of fans um, of this show to see the whole way that this conversation has unfolded. We also want to make it clear that, you know, we have not spoken to anyone that was there. Uh, What we are going off in this podcast is, you know, the reports that have been put out there by various um, news organizations and our interview with Reality Steve, who has also, you know, spoken to people who are um, directly tied to uh, Bachelor in Paradise. We still don't entirely know what happened. Uh, Warner Brothers has said that they are conducting an investigation internally into what's going on. There's a lot of uh, stuff that we that we aren't sure happened um, or um, different ways that this could have played out. But one thing that we've consistently heard is that there was a third party complaint filed by um, an employee of the show. And um, Yahoo Beauty spoke to um, Maya Regu, the director of workplace equality at the National Women's Law Center, um, just sort of about what that means to give a little clarity, because it's um, it's not a very specific term if you're not uh, legally uh, well versed. Um, And she said that basically this is a complaint that's filed when you are not the target of sexual harassment or or assault, but you witnessed it in the workplace. Yeah. Raghu told Yahoo that, quote, witnessing a sexual assault in the workplace context could potentially contribute to a hostile work environment and constitute sexual harassment depending on the circumstances. Here, the witness slash bystander is a third party and can sue the employer for sexual harassment. Whether the employer is liable depends on the facts of the case. So obviously this is very general and this is not commenting on, um, you know, the exact circumstances of this this case. But it is interesting and important to note that there are mechanisms for third-party complaints like this to be raised. There is, um, you know, a precedent for it. Yeah. And I know a lot of people have um, had the the knee-jerk reaction of, well, they film drunken hookups all the time. Um, it's ridiculous that they would shut down the show over this or that someone would complain about being uncomfortable. Again, we really don't know what happened. And just because people make out drunkenly on the show doesn't mean that something can't go wrong um, and and go further than what we've seen. So let's all try to keep an open mind and, again, be respectful. Um, So we're going to, uh, in a second, have a conversation with Reality Steve, um, who has been tweeting about this since Sunday and um, reporting out as much as he can what really took place. And he's going to help us, uh, again, get a sense of where the state of certainty is on the reporting right now. Spoiler alert, uh, there's not a whole lot of certainty. So, (laughs) um, but yeah, he's going to talk us through, you know, where his reporting is with this currently. And then the latter half of the episode um, is dedicated to a conversation we had 
with Michael, who came in studio with us, and he we found him to be a particularly interesting person to talk this through with because not only has he been a contestant on uh, season two of, of Bachelor in Paradise, but he also is an attorney. So he has some, you know, general and, and interesting legal insights into kind of where responsibility um, on this could potentially fall. And we we try to break down the atmosphere of what filming Paradise is like, as well as, um, you know, relationships between contestants and production for, you know, I'm just speaking for myself, like my my biggest questions um, are raised around around that. And I'm very curious to hear what, you know, people who have had more um, personal experience with the franchise than we have um, feel about, you know, what mechanisms are put in place to protect everyone involved in these shows and whether perhaps there are enough of them or they failed in this in this instance. So we hope you will enjoy um, both parts of this conversation and, and again, reserve any hard and fast judgments. And now our interview with Reality Steve. Thanks so much for being here with us today, Steve. We really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me on. So just to start us off, can you kind of walk us through what your understanding of this Bachelor in Paradise situation is um, as of this morning? Yeah, I mean, this all started coming down on Sunday, and it's weird how things have changed because the first thing that I was told was when I had found, I started hearing rumblings that production was stopped, and I asked why, and the first thing a source told me was two people were having sex in public. Someone in Mexico, someone down in Mexico saw them, was offended, and is suing the show. So it was very kind of vague. Like it was detailed, but it was vague in terms of, okay, who were the two people having sex in public? What did that mean? You know, who was offended by this and who is doing the suing? Um, So I'm basically, obviously things have changed since then. Because when I was first told suing i thought it was a like a a a tourist or like somebody that was staying at the resort that happened to come across filming and saw two people maybe sneak off and have sex and obviously now obviously that's that's changed and the suing was done uh by a producer or you know i don't even know if suing is the right word right i think it's i think it's uh, a complaint was filed is the yeah terminology that's being used yeah a complaint and because definitely nothing's been uh that definitely nothing's been filed more has come to light, and basically they, had, they were three days into filming, and right before the first row ceremony was supposed to happen, production came to them and said, look, we got to shut this down. We've been filed a complaint. we got to take care of this, and people were you know, put in limbo and, and whatnot uh, from that point. And you know, from what I've gathered, like, there's so many different stories out there, and it's, it's almost even tough to comment on all of this because – it's very he said, she said at this point. Um, everything that I have seen in the media and that has been reported seems to be, um, shall we say, an, uh, pro-Corinne. And Corinne is the victim in all this. And that may, that may very well be the case. 
But to me and what I've been told, um, it's not. And so I don't know what to believe at this point. Um, but I will be releasing soon everything that I have been told by my sources. And I think people are probably going to – I'm not here to change opinion, but I think – because of what people have read for the last two days, I think when they read my stuff today, it might change some thoughts in their head about what happened down there. Uh, I don't really have an opinion on it. Um, and I didn't really have an opinion on all the stuff that I read about uh, over the last two days. It's just because we just don't know enough. It's almost like, I don't want to say it's like the Chris Soul situation, but you know everything that happened with Chris Soul's when everything came out, it was immediately like, oh my God, he's going to jail for 25 years. And it's just like, look, let's just... Let's just let things play out first before we jump to conclusions about what exactly uh, we're dealing with here. And, um, you know, because the, the nature of what is being reported out there is serious. And if, if this really did happen, then, my gosh, it, it'll be taken care of. But let's, let's gather as much as we can. Um, you know, for me, it's a tough situation to be in. And, you know, you hate for something like this to come up, especially a, a summer show that, you know, we all enjoy and fans all enjoy and Bachelor Nation enjoys. It's now, you know, this show's done. Um, I, and if you ask me today, do I think Bachelor in Paradise is gone forever? My opinion is, yeah, it is. I don't think we're ever going to see this show again. And now, do I think next summer they come back with a different title and maybe tweak the format? Yeah, I think so. I just think the title of Bachelor in Paradise and what this show is is going to change because Bachelor in Paradise is now associated with this incident, and I think they have to move away from it. I think Bachelor in Paradise, as we know it, is done as a franchise. Mm, yeah. We've been seeing stories come from sort of different angles here. Um, there are people on production who are talking anonymously mm -hmm. to different media sources. There are people from the cast. Um, have you talked to people from sort of both sides of the situation? I mean, I can't really say who I've spoken to, but obviously I have sources that are closely associated with the franchise that, I mean, it's the same people that essentially are helping out with spoilers on every season. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've got people very dialed into the situation that have told me stuff. And when I heard it, I was like, and I got most of this, you know, over the last 48 hours, but as stuff has been coming out, um, it seems to be somewhat contradictory to what is being reported out there. And uh, it's on, you know, it's just when you put something like that out there, that's different than what the media is reporting, there's going to be pushback and there's going to be, because let's face it, what's being reported out there is a possible, you know, assault. Uh, and when you, get stuff that is saying it's not and the situation is different um you know i expect some pushback and i you know I, I but i have to do my job and i have to report what i've been told and this is what i've been told i the stuff that i'm reading i've never heard any of that stuff i have that that's not what's being reported to me as what happened so it's kind of a difficult situation to be in but yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's a pretty it's, it's a pretty horrifying situation kind of no matter how you slice it. Yeah, it's just you know, just like it with anything. There's two sides to every story and I just I I haven't heard the side that is coming out in the media. I don't know why 
those people haven't um, reached out to me. I can only report what has been told to me. So what you've heard from your various sources, is that pretty consistent, like across the different people that you've spoken to? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just one person that said, hey, here's what here's what went down. It was, Mm -hmm. you know, this has been two days. I found this out Sunday. It basically ruined the last day of my vacation in Las Vegas because I was on my phone nonstop all day Sunday and then all day yesterday dealing with this and um, talking to a lot of people. Um, it, it seems like this is, I mean, I, I can't say a number of sources that did, but this is, this is more than one. And I'd say it's more than four. Like it's just consistent across the board. Of- I'm curious from your perspective um, about the production end of this, because obviously a lot of the Things that are coming out are people speaking anonymously on behalf of um, the two contestants at the center. But there's also, you know, a producer who has allegedly filed a formal complaint. Um, From your perspective, like as someone who's spoken to a lot of people involved with the show, what do you think the responsibility is or or should be of production to – you know, put measures in place that wouldn't allow situations like this to to come about? Like, is, is there a responsibility? And if there is, like, do you feel that production perhaps failed in any capacity? Uh, it's, it's so tough because I wasn't there. And, I, you know, I think that if there is a... Um, I would I would think, and I'm just speaking on this, looking at, at this as an outsider, and let's just say if I was working on the show, if if what is being reported was happening with a cameraman standing right there and a camera on his shoulder filming it, and that cameraman did nothing about it, then this is like the worst show in the world. Like these are the worst people in the world. I, I would have to believe if what is being reported actually happened and nobody stepped in to stop this, um, somebody would have something to answer for. That's why there's something about this that isn't adding up for me. And, you know, I, I, I can only go with what I've been reported and maybe I haven't been told everything yet, but um, I, I can't imagine that a producer wouldn't step in and stop an assault from happening if that's what is being reported it happened i i can't i i know it's television and i know it's like oh they just want ratings and they want people to talk but this is these are people's livelihoods so i i i i have a hard time believing that someone witnessed an assault happening and just let it go i i just that's just me i don't i don't i don't think that's what was what was happening here I, i really don't what I can say is this wasn't in a this wasn't a bedroom cam situation because when you signed to go on Bachelor in Paradise or even back when Bachelor Pad was on, your contract states that you can be filmed having sex in a bedroom. Like there's they it's in the contract. So this wasn't a situation that was in a room where people were watching on monitors. This happened out in the open, in the public, where contestants saw it and a cameraman was there filming it. So that's why what's being reported seems to contradict, unless 
the people that work on the show are the are the the worst humans on the planet. And trust me, I've said plenty of bad things about these people <laughs> over the years. I mean, it's a really tricky because for one thing, it's difficult to imagine that either of them would have had sex in public without being severely compromised by intoxication. Um, so then the question becomes: once they're doing that. Uh, why would you let them continue? Because they're clearly both very incapacitated to be doing such a ridiculous right, thing. Right, yeah. And I think that's why our questions are primarily about, like, where where is the line on the production end when you are filming this and you've obviously a lot of these contestants are are drinking so heavily that it's not, that it's not unheard of to think that one could or both could potentially enter a, a blackout state um, where they would be, at least from a legal perspective, un, unable to um, consent. So, like, is it on is it on production and is there a precedent for production to kind of step in and, you know, prevent a situation where there could even be a thought that this would happen, you know, from arising? And maybe there isn't any of the, maybe those mechanisms aren't in place. Maybe this isn't something that they've accounted for. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's you know you've had you've had three seasons of Bachelor Pad, three completed seasons of Paradise. This was the fourth, so that's seven seasons, but thirty-four seasons. There's been drunk hookups on this show all the time, and it sounds like this is the first one that's ever escalated to this point where they had to shut production down because somebody right. filed a complaint. You know, it is tough. I mean, where do you draw the line? But if it hasn't happened in 40 seasons previous, they seem to be pretty good at judging a hookup and what's considered, you know, a hookup. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or or maybe it's never I, we rarely see production intervene in a situation. Um, yeah. So if it's just never come to this point before, it's possible that they just didn't expect it to ever happen. Sad thing is, like I said, the sad thing is the show, there is not going to be a Bachelor in Paradise this summer. It's like the TV side of me, the, 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 the fan that's a side of television and how networks run shows and stuff like that is, you know, kind of weird. Because this, so, this is a summer hit show for ABC that airs for six weeks and they do four hours a week. You know, they do a two-hour show on Monday, then a one-hour show Tuesday, followed by a one-hour After Paradise show. Like, all that is gone now, what we're used to. Like... This was set to premiere August 8th, the day after Rachel's finale. So now we're sitting here like, what I, What does ABC do? Do they just run? I, I don't know. Like, I don't know the television side of it, but I'm so curious about, do they just run last year's Paradise in its, in its place and just run the after Paradise? Like we just, so at least people can get their fix of maybe if they missed it last year, but to cancel a show that is a hit show for them, that they got four hours a week out of for a month and a half. I mean, that's a big deal that this show is being uh, is canceled because I right. don't see they haven't said it's officially canceled, but I, I can report to you that it is because they're not flying everybody back to Mexico. And uh, the Mexican, you know, the, the story broke yesterday about the Mexican tourism board is what basically pays for this show. Uh, they're not going to want to be associated with this. They're not just going to be able to get go back to the same location. There hasn't been any filming for one week now, and. I think, you know, the show is supposed to premiere August 8th. They only had the Playa Escondida Resort booked until June 26th to 28th. Well, here we are on June 13th. Like, if they got everybody back there tomorrow, which obviously would never happen, but 
I mean, the earliest you get everybody back there is maybe Thursday or Friday and you pick up from where you left off. It gives you like 11 days to film. You can't do the show like just time wise. It doesn't make sense. I don't know why ABC won't admit like it's canceled, like it's done. I don't know why they keep stringing people along saying, hey, we're doing an investigation and nothing's been decided at this point. Well, yes, it has, because you're never hitting a August 8th premiere date and you're never going to be able to go back to that resort. So I don't know what they're thinking. Yeah, people are very disappointed that the show isn't happening and we understand that. But um, maybe there are more important things. But uh, one yeah. one thing that a lot of people have also been wondering about is that um, Carly and Evan's wedding was supposed to air I think during Paradise, and they've said that they're still filming it. Um, is, yeah, is that your understanding that they're still moving yeah. forward? Yeah, my the 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 wedding is set for June seventeenth, which is Saturday. Um, from what I've been told, it's still happening. I mean, we're five days away. I'm assuming Evan and Carly signed a contract to have their wedding uh, paid for by ABC and televised, and it's part of the Bachelor in Paradise show, but. Uh, unless something happens in the next five days, they're set to film it. Now, how it airs, is that's going to be the interesting part because obviously it's not going to air during a Paradise episode. So maybe now they get their own one hour. Now their wedding is Yeah, Yeah, I can see them dragging it. Them. Right. That might be, you know, maybe a, a, a silver lining of no Paradise, um, Evan and Carly, yeah. get their actual wedding to be about them. Yeah, and it's yeah. yeah, it's not thrown in at the end of a Paradise episode or the last half hour of a Paradise episode, whatever the case may be. But as of June thirteenth, it is still it is still on for this Saturday. Yeah. But can things change by the minute? Sure, you know. I put it this way: if their wedding got canceled, I can't say I'd be surprised or postponed. Four days ahead of a wedding is really late to. <laughs> cancel or postpone it there's probably already a lot of wheels in motion so it's a tough situation for carly and evan um in that respect but um before we let you go we wanted to talk about something a little more lighthearted, um Mm -hmm. which is the projects you're working on right now yeah Um, you have two podcasts um one that's been airing for a while which if anyone hasn't listened to it I've been really enjoying the interviews you've been doing. They're really great. It's the Reality Steve podcast. Um, And then you also have another one in the works with Charlene Joint, who we love and have had on this podcast as well. And she's just a total delight. Do you want to kind of explain to our listeners who who might not know about both those projects kind of um, the ideas behind both of them? Yeah, um, I I always my background is in radio and I've always liked the radio format. I've never been much of a TV guy in terms of being in front of the camera. So I always knew I wanted to start a podcast, didn't know how to do it at all. And, um, you know, I I, I got some help from uh, an actual reader of mine that uh, knew how to do it and uh, got me up and running. And, you know, the first few were just me. And then I said, you know, I want to start talking to contestants and, um, I've been doing that basically since January. I started in December, but all those podcasts were just me talking. And then January rolled around. I was like, okay, let's start rolling out contestants. And then it just became, I just decided that I was going to make the podcast all about the contestants. There was no need to, I mean, I have a recap written every Tuesday. I didn't want to recap, do any sort of recap within the podcast. I think in the beginning I started doing a little bit like, Hey, let's, you know, Nick's episode just aired. Let's talk about it a little bit. But I realized it was taking away from the interview and um, 
it's been fun for me. I feel like I've learned something about every contestant and it's been my goal is to try and let the audience learn something about them that maybe they didn't know from the edited television show that they saw them on. And then um, Stitcher Premium came to me and said they wanted to me to do a show that was Bachelor content related. And I said, okay, but I need to make this completely different. So the, the, uh, the podcast with Charlene is called He Said, She Said. It's going to start, uh, I believe, here in a couple of weeks. I don't know the exact launch date. And it's just going to be, uh, you know, Charlene writes a – she wrote a, a column for Flair Magazine on relationships where she took people's questions. I've been doing Dr. Reality Steve on my site for like six years now. And um, in, in, con- in conversations with Charlene, I, I've always thought she was very witty and very funny and – always loved her flair column. I thought she gave great advice. I was like, why don't we do it and have a female and male perspective? So she agreed. Um, we, we, we've done the first show already and, um, we had, we just take calls, uh, from listeners who have, you know, relationship, marriage, sex, dating questions, and we kind of have a back and forth. And I thought the first show went really well. I'm excited for everybody to hear it, but yeah, that's basically what it's about. It's Charlene and not really going to be very bachelor uh, bachelorette focused at all, uh, or any, you know, gossip or stuff like that. And, um, I've always been someone that's been fascinated by other people's relationships. And I, it's why I started Dr. Reality Steve in the first place. And, um, I like giving advice as a neutral party. Cause when you have relationship questions or boyfriend questions, girlfriend questions, when you go to your friends about it, they're usually going to tell you what you want to hear. And I, feel like as a third party person in all of this uh, and, and Charlene now as well, we can give people unbiased advice on what we think they should do. For anyone who's listening to, to our podcast and hasn't listened to yours, um, something that I really enjoy about the interviews is that you, you know, often speak to people who have a little bit of distance and perspective from their time on the show and any relationships they were involved in. And so I think it's you know, very humanizing and you get a great insight. And I think that um, people are willing to be really, really candid with you. And it's it's a lot yeah. of fun as someone who has, has watched the show over the years. So we're really looking forward to that. And we're really looking forward to your new show with Charlene. Um, and we also are really grateful that you came on today to break down everything that happened this week. It's been really confusing for everyone. And we're still waiting to find out what really happened. But we appreciate you talking with us. Yeah, and uh, one thing I wanted to add about today's post is not only, you know, do I report what's being told to me about this whole Demario and Corinne uh, situation, um, I do fill everybody in on the three days of filming. That what we, what was, what did happen in the three days of filming? Because there were dates that happened. There were hookups from other couples that weren't Demario and Corinne, and um, yeah, so you'll get a little bit of a feel. Um, you know, the initial cast list that was released by People Magazine, like, hey, here's who's going to be on Bachelor in Paradise. Well, they left out five guys that um, were in the initial cast that nobody seems to know about yet. Uh, that will be revealed as well today. Wow. So I will give you who the first cast was. We'll look forward to reading that. And we always appreciate you taking the time to jump on with us. Thanks. No problem, you guys. going to take a quick break but after we come back we're going to speak with michael garifola better known as michael g from both the bachelorette and bachelor in paradise this show is sponsored by better help 
Sometimes there will be something that is just like nagging at me, bothering me about something in my life. And I just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it. And something that can really help me sort that through and like take action is therapy. I completely agree. I've been really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. And before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash love to see it. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. I am so glad that it's finally warming up. And it also means that I just want to have fun this summer and I don't want to be worrying about meal prep. And luckily... I can do something about that with Factor, especially because they have so many meal options like Protein Plus, Keto, Vegetarian, something for every diet. Their fresh, never frozen meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Make your whole day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. I love having a few factor meals just sitting in my fridge, especially because I work from home. It's so nice to finish up a taping and not have to figure out what to cook myself. Just look in my fridge and be like, oh, in two minutes, I can be eating mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice or tomato basil chicken risotto or Santa Fe style green chili beef skillet. And they always have a nice like 
vegetable side. It feels well-balanced. I feel full after, and it's not a headache at all. Head to factormeals.com slash LTSI50 and use code LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code LTSI50 at factormeals.com slash LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price was exactly what I wanted to. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while or even not that long knows that we love article. I mean, honestly, I'm looking around my home right now. Coffee tables from article. That lovely chair out on my deck. Article. Our big console. Article. I'm My bed frame. Article. This is an article household. It is. And it's, I mean, it was an inspiration to me. We finally got our first article piece of furniture recently, our new couch. And my husband and I are both constantly just like, how did we live before this couch? This is such an improvement over what we had before. It's so comfortable. It just seems to get more comfortable every day. I mean, it's the couch you dream of. And the reason that we have both been able to find ideal furniture on Article is because Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some really delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. And their team of designers are all about finding that perfect balance between style, quality, and price because we all want the best of all of those three things united in one piece of furniture, right? Plus, they're dedicated to thoughtful craftsmanship that stands the test of time and, you know, looks good doing it. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. 
it's hard for viewers to really know what it's like on site at Paradise where this all went down. So we brought in a familiar face to help us get a better sense of what it's like in Paradise. Um, Michael Garofola, who was on The Bachelorette and also on Bachelor in Paradise, thanks for joining us. Claire, Emma, so good to see you guys. Thank you. Yeah, we're so happy to have you back. I mean, we wish it was under maybe more fun circumstances, but uh, we really appreciate you (laughs) coming in and chatting with us. Of course, my pleasure. Yeah. I mean, usually this show is sort of like a, a whimsical, sort of fun, tongue-in-cheek type of show, and uh, it's taken a, a, a dark turn, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's a slightly different atmosphere than our usual uh, recap. So we wanted to start um, just by having you walk us through your time on Bachelor in Paradise. Um, it was a couple seasons ago, so some people might not have seen it. Um, tell us what what happened when you came into the house? Okay. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll go into a little bit of the logistics. You know, they fly you in um, through Houston to um, to Puerto Vallarta, which is about 45 minutes away from the site of the actual filming, which is in uh, Sayulita Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're, you're kept in sort of a, um, a hotel for any – period of time until you're needed, until it's your time to sort of um, make your appearance, make your entrance uh, on the beach. Um, so are you flown in at the same time as maybe cast members who are original cast members, but you're just kept in the hotel for longer? Or do they bring people in in sort of waves? No, yeah, I should have I should have clarified that. So I was not on, on the original cast. I was on season two. I was not in the original cast. Um, I was brought in... I was in the first wave, um, the next group of guys that was going to come in, and I was the th- the third of I believe I was the third of those guys that that came in um, came in second. So I was in week two of filming, but really only like you know four or five days after the original cast right. had arrived. So I I was there um, alone. I didn't see any other cast members. Okay. Uh, so when they decide to bring you in, what's that like? They just sort of like unleash you into the house full of partiers. You are, you are. It's funny. You are like a caged animal in that hotel. <laughs> it's a beautiful hotel. Um, it's like one of those, uh, you know, Vidara hotels, and it's it's a nice hotel and it's air conditioned, uh, and you get room service and everything else. And I remember, it's funny. You know, it just shows. You know, I, I was watching. In Spanish, the Cavs versus the Golden State Warriors, which is we you know saw again this this yeah. year, um, and then all of a sudden you get a knock on your door the, the next morning, and of course any human contact you just like leap up from so your excited. you leap up from whatever you're doing in your room, and you um, for me it was just ironing my shirts over and over again, and you uh, they tell you look you know hey Michael G um, today's today's the big day wow. uh, start to get ready and uh, you know we'll think about probably in a few hours. Uh, you'll be heading out to the to the beach to meet everyone. It feels very Hunger Games like in the setup. Um, so when you got to the house, what did you what did you notice about the the whole setup? Like, did it feel like what you expected going in? You'd been on the Bachelorette before, or was it different um, in a lot of ways? Yeah, it's very it's very different. I mean, the whole atmosphere for you as a contestant who's sort of been there, done that, uh, and is friends with everyone already in production and knows you know some of the cast members, et cetera, et cetera. It's just a lot more laid back. It's just a lot more 
Um, you know the drill. Come on, you know, give me your phone. You know, you got to do this. You got to do that. Or and you know, they sort of let it, you get away with more. It's like you can use the gym and you can do other things. So when you when you arrive, it's sort of just like catching up with people. You see, you know, sound people, camera guys. You know, Chris Harrison, Paulie, the you know security guy um, who does a lot more than security, by the way. But we know him as the security guy. But you know, you see a lot of familiar faces, so it's just catching up, and then it's 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 catching up, and then it's okay. Now we got to start. Chris is going to ask you. You know, I'm going to ask you some questions, and you know, let's let's talk. And so I remember when I went on, and I I saw Chris that he came up. We were talking, and then I was like, oh, you know, congrats on the book. It was his book would just release everything oh, else. Yes. And then he's like, he's like, oh, that's great. What have you been up to? It's good to see you. I'm glad to have you back. He's like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a few things about that, and you can talk about that. And you start doing some some ITMs, and it's it's really like a lot of fun. it's more fun. It's less like nerve wracking, I guess. It's um, because you just feel more comfortable, if, yeah. as strange as that is, to be like on a reality television show. And I know that when you're on uh, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, you often have like one producer that's kind of assigned to be your mm-hmm. shadow. Um, is that the same on Paradise? No, not really. And the producer who was sort of assigned to me on my season of The Bachelorette is now has now moved well up in the ranks. And so he is not always around to, um, you know, to, to talk to or to be the, you know, the, the ear to, you know, to listen to you. And um, I would say that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm close. I was close with another, a, f- a few other producers there and everyone just comes into the mix, I think, because they know you already. And so everyone wants to see you and catch up and say hello. So it's not just one person anymore that feel, you know, I think in The Bachelorette when you're a new guy and you don't know everyone, one producer sort of says, I think, he feels most comfortable with me, and so I will, I will take him. He will be my, you know, one of my people, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, just like dodgeball, you never want to be picked last. And he um, – and, and, but in paradise, it's just, you know, you, you, you're, you feel comfortable pretty much with everyone, although I did meet some new faces, and admittedly I felt a little less comfortable with them, you know, because I felt like, okay, they were not – producers on my season of the bachelorette they've never i've never met them in person or if i have it was very briefly and i felt less comfortable talking to them than i did with with people i knew um i don't know it's just a a personal thing yeah so do you think like coming into the bachelorette or the bachelor is there a level of like wariness that you would have about producers uh before you develop those relationships that maybe by the time you got to paradise had kind of um, been replaced by a more trusting relationship. I think that's accurate. I think your, I think a healthy dose of skepticism is is probably there for most people that go go on to the show. But I also think that that skepticism has subsided not only through your personal and interpersonal relationships with the producers directly, but also because of the cachet of the show now. Um, I think as the show has gotten more popular, more people watch it, more people sort of know the drill or think they know the drill based on what they watch on television, but they at least know how well some contestants have done, you know, after the experience that I think there's just automatically like a more level of trustworthiness. Like there are more people now are willing to be put through the gauntlet, so to speak, because of, you know, they've seen other people do it and they've seen other people, you know, become successful either, you know, um, through uh, new careers or through just selling flat tummy tea and 
teeth whitener on Instagram. So there's there's almost a level of like you come on the show and you think this is The Bachelor. They're legit. They've been doing it forever. They're very successful. I'm in, I'm in like at least very um, capable hands. Exactly. Yeah. It would be very different. I would imagine it was very different for people the first few seasons of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I maybe even different for the first cast of Bachelor in Paradise, the first Bachelor in Paradise, which I was actually I was asked to do um, at that time. But I declined as I was I was dating dating someone Um I would imagine for them being the first iteration of the show, they were probably like, what is the show even about? (laughs) The questions we were all asking, what is the premise here? But I think as for me, after when it was season two, I had an idea of what the show was about. I knew what to expect. I knew it was I knew the people running it. Um, And so, yeah, you you do feel you do let your guard down and you do feel more comfortable and you do feel more trusting. Um, And to go back to one of your earlier questions, um, you when you it is very different from the bachelor house. You know when you get to the house, it's sort of a, a sprawling villa mm-hmm. um, right on the beach and right on the ocean, and it's beautiful, beautiful to look at. But it's all open air, and it's very hot and humid, and <laughs> the air does not flow very well. Um, but when you walk up, you know when I walked up, and I was like I said, I was just in that first wave. I think someone, two people had arrived just before me. And then I, I got there. You sort of walk down the path that you see on, on the show. And uh, after you talk to Chris Harrison and, and everyone when I got there was, all, was seated at Jorge's bar right on the <laughs> beach and already, I mean, it was probably two in the afternoon and already people had been drinking probably since, you know, they yeah. woke up around, you know, 10, 11 o'clock and, um, you know, it, people are having a good time. You know, it was a... Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, you don't have a whole lot of structure yeah. in that situation. I don't know if you guys have listened to this yet, but Olivia just aired her interview with Lace, which um, clearly happened before now. Um, but Lace talked about on Paradise that she was like, we would wake up and either go for a morning run and then start drinking or it would be wake up, coffee and a shot sort of situation, like from the very beginning of the day. And that was another one of our questions. You know, obviously drinking is a huge part of the culture on this show, especially, especially Paradise. Did you ever feel like there was a moment where someone might get cut off or was it really on every individual to kind of police their own drinking? That's a, I mean, that's a great question. I, I, it's hard to say. I mean, I think, I think from a television show standpoint, they want to, uh, you know, sort of hold off or defer on on in, or getting involved and on stepping in and cutting people off. I think they'd rather they'd obviously they'd rather the antics, you know, the humorous antics or whatever or dr- dramatic antics um, as we saw right last season with Chad Johnson that, that first night. Um, I think it, it gets like that and and I think but I I do believe produce some producers would probably pull them aside when you know off camera and be like, hey man, you know like you're getting a little crazy, you're getting a lot out of control. What are you doing? Um, but then send them then send them back out and say, right. well, I done I've done my duty, you know, and send them back out. And I think um, the other on the the other point to that is that. I think they'd rather see other cast members interact with the intoxicated person and step in and tell them and cut them off. You know, that's right. more 
um, you know, there's more um, cohesion, I guess, in the in the narrative if you know, if you have it on film, right? Because they're not going to show a producer, unless it's super dramatic, they're not going to show a producer with his gear, you know, telling someone, hey, relax. But they will show, um, you know, someone like Nick or Dan Cox, whoever is there going up to the guy and being like, hey, man, you're you're drunk, you know, relax. Yeah, right. They want, it, it makes sense that, you know, producers want to avoid making themselves characters in the show. That's not right. their job. Um and just to go back a little bit about what you said about obviously when you grow to have a relationship with these producers, there is an element of just interpersonal trust and friendship built there. That's totally natural. Do you feel like for yourself and maybe anyone else that you've spoken to who's been on one of these shows, um, was there any ever any concern that if something got out of hand – to an extent that someone might be in danger in any capacity. Did you feel like there was an understanding that, like, that situation would be controlled enough to keep everyone safe? Like, did, did you ever feel like that was a question in any of the minds, uh, in think, the minds of anyone that you were yeah, on the show with? You, you hit on a, a, on a great point. I think we all sort of think, look, this is an ABC show. They're owned by Disney. They're not going to kill us. They're not going to let us get hurt. They're not going to, you know, even when you see these people that are jumping off, rappelling off the sides of buildings or whatever they're doing, in your head you really do think, well, this is, uh, you know, they're not going to let us die. Like, that would be crazy. Like, so, yeah, of course I'm going to do it, you know. And and I think that the—so I think it's even beyond the interpersonal relationship. You just think of the big picture. They're like, how, why—of course this must be safe. Right. This must be safe. I must be safe. The you know they're gonna step in if someone if some knife wielding lunatic came you know into the into the the villa um, I think they're gonna they're gonna put a stop to that you know they're not gonna uh, uh, despite how great it would look on camera to have you know <laughs> Jason from Friday the Thirteenth you know running around trying to kill all the camp counselors at at Paradise <laughs> I think they're going to to step in or at least you you believe that um, and you also believe that this person that you do have this relationship with you know why they're there they're there to film a show you're there to film a show you're there to be a cast member but you do also have this trust in them which sometimes can be mis, you know, misguided. I think that sometimes this, these interpersonal relationships are very much used to manipulate certain cast members. And it's, a, and it's a matter of how much do you as a cast member recognize that or how much are you drinking the Kool-Aid believing this producer really is your good friend and loves you and adores you and would never make you look silly on camera, I think that's foolish. I think you have to have sor sort of uh, a sense that this person is getting on your good side and getting close to you so that sometimes you, they may be able to get you to do things that you otherwise would not have done for them on camera so that they can do their job, that they can be, get praised by their superiors and supervisors, and that they can move up the chain. I mean, I think it's a, a thing. And so when you recognize that, and for me personally, I recognize that very early on on The Bachelorette, and I would have negotiations with the producer. We would be talking, <laughs> and um, you know, I won't mention who the producer is, but you all know him, and he's a great guy, and I'm still friends with him to this day. Um, but if you want me to mention him, I will. But um, And it got to the point where I would just say, what are you trying to make me say or do? Like, come on, can we cut through this? I like you. I know I think you're fun. You're a good guy. I know you like me. But, like, 
what are you trying to make me do? And he's like, well, I'd really like it if you would just say X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to say that. And that's not something I would say. So it's not really like, it's not me. But how about if I say, you know, A, B, and C instead, which is the same point, but it's my own wording and I feel more comfortable saying it. And, oh, perfect. Yeah, that's great. Say, can you say that? And I'm like, yes, perfect. Uh, so it's like that. So <laughs> one thing that has been um, – I guess um, it's hard for me to talk about these reports because everything is sort of up in the air. But one thing that has been floated by a couple of reports is that producers, <clears throat> excuse me, sort of told these two contestants who are involved in this situation to um, to hook up or that their hookup would be a storyline that day. Um, does it seem likely to you that producers would, would give – direction or would it be more like a gentle nudge like this guy is really into you you should talk to him um, or would they ever just be like we want to focus today on you two like getting together I think the answer is to is D like all of the above <laughs> I think um, it depends on how important that storyline is and I think in this situation with the two cast members being who they were um, you know I mean can we say who they are or should we not I think it's, it's I think, out there. Yeah, it's out there. Right? It's out I mean, there. It, it, Corinne, we can, we can all right, so Corinne names. and yeah. Demario, obviously villains on their season, quote unquote. You know, although although Corinne is obviously widely liked, mm-hmm. and and I'm sure Demario, I don't, I'm not sure, I'm sure Demario is or will be. And so I think it's a big storyline for them this season is to have them to get together. And when you are first asked to do the show, you are reached out to by a producer who will say, "Is there anyone in Bachelor Kingdom?" <laughs> that you're I used to say nation, but now you know I think it's like kingdom now. It's um, it's, it's owned by the magical kingdom. The yeah, magic yeah, kingdom. Yeah, true. the magic kingdom owns it. Mickey owns it. He's pulling the strings here. Where was he? Damn it, Mickey, where were you? Uh, okay, anyway, anyway. <laughs> Before I break out an M I C K E Y. Yeah, back in the point. Off on a tangent as usual. Uh no, I think when you're first called by the producer, they ask you if you're in a serious relationship, they want to know. Not that that obviously precludes people from doing the show, but they want to know, and likely they do know because they they see your social media. And then they ask you, is there anyone in Bachelor Kingdom you'd be interested in? And you give them you know, some names. You can give them one name. You can give them 40 names. Um, you could say – you give them no names. Say, no, I, there's not no one in particular, but um, you know, I'd like to you know, meet some people or whatever you want to say. I, I've – truly believe that for this situation that Corinne and Demario had named one another or were suggested to one another and certainly agreed, you know, to to go along with that. Uh, and then, you know, to harken back to the point earlier about your trust and your relationship with this producer, you're, if you go in knowing that you're expected to or hoped to um, – and by hook up, I think they just mean like link up, you know, like you're right. supposed right. to like have some something. Of... Yeah, I don't know. They don't mean like the physical you're right. supposed to get naked in the pool with this person. But they no. do mean you are going to go for this person. This person's going to go for you. It's going to be very much. And as soon as like that's in your mind and you get there and you fuel that with alcohol and you see that other person and he's willing to do, to go that route, you're willing to go that route and feed that storyline it's sort of like an inevitable thing, and maybe it's more um, 
I guess, exacerbated or, you know, the, the because of all those things, you know, mm-hmm. all of those for two months, you know, you're going to see you're going right. and you're going in for that one you're person. You're aware of that expectation. Yep. And, mm-hmm. yeah. So, and so you think it could definitely be somewhat of you know, a kind of explicit conversation depending on the situation. Oh, I, I de- definitely yeah. think in this situation, I, I don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, But my guess would be there's a better than 95% probability that they knew full well when they were going in that Corinne was going to go for Demario, that Demario was going to go for Corinne, and that was in the storyline that the – executive producers had already storyboarded for that season as as happening. And and there's no question about that. And seeing some of these reports, um, I think at least from DeMario's side of or point of view, some of his sources or, you know, friends or who have have spoken had said said as much that the storyline was going to be that he and Corinne were going to get together. For anyone that hasn't read these reports, um, a a lot of these, you know, anonymous sources, so we don't want to take anything as as fact um, but TMZ has reportedly spoken to people close to both Demario and Corinne but again we want to encourage everyone to exercise um, a healthy dose of skepticism when you're reading yeah any anything that isn't coming from you know the directly from the parties involved yeah um, and we saw a similar situation to this go down last season with lace and Chad where they kind of had the two, Two villain-ish characters, um, one villain, maybe one villain-ish character from previous seasons, um, kind of go for each other the first night. And things took a pretty bad turn. Um, And that was allowed to play out in its entirety. Um, Chad was extremely drunk and became sort of aggressive with Lace and with other people on the show. And... um, kind of passed out drunk in the end and was sent home After the next verbally morning. verbally assaulting poor Sarah. And, yeah, you know, exactly. And some really nasty things. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so I guess at that point, some people, including ourselves, were watching and thinking this was a point where we thought production might intervene. As as um, someone who's experienced with the show and also has a legal background, although I know this isn't your specialty, when you were watching it, were you like, wow, they're really not covering their asses here? Well, you know, and I think, look, first of all, let me let me just touch on something that you said is this is a great point and, and it just shows that the the storyline is the same all you know, it's it's a cookie cutter format, at least for day one. You know, the the villain, the two villains, you know, from the their respective seasons come in, they drink all day, and then they hook up by the pool. And I will say, j- just like you said, there there are so many parallels from last season with the Chad and Lace interaction. And from what we're allegedly hearing took place here, the difference is that this sounds like, you know, the intoxication became on even another level, which is hard to imagine because we all saw what happened with Chad and Lace um, last year, uh, last season, and, you know, which led to Chad being physically removed the following day after, you know, cursing out Chris Harrison and saying something about him being in a robe or something, I think I remember. But – yeah, and so I think you are sort of you are sort of surprised because there is a lot of you are when you know look the show has you sign a, a contract that is on its face at least would protect them or at least significantly reduce their liability no matter what happens. You are agreeing to go on. You are agreeing to interact with other cast members 
who may or may not be serial killers. Basically, that's what the contract says. Um, and so you they they are protecting themselves in many ways in, in that situation. But I still think when push comes to shove, the question becomes, you know, not to get too bogged down in legalese, but the question becomes whether or not a contract like that or provision like that is would be enforceable when it's sort of a take it or leave it deal, right? You know, in other words, you know, Warner Horizon sends you their contract to do the show and it's you you have very even as an attorney you have very little power to negotiate the terms of that contract you can negotiate pay you can negotiate but but the the boilerplate terms of that contract are what they are and because of the popularity and of this show and what the show can do for you no one some people don't even read the contract, which is a huge mistake. Wow. But, yeah. you know, they just sort of are like, sure, I'll do any, you know, I mean, look, people quit their jobs. People leave their careers. They leave apparently their boyfriends and girlfriends at home to do this show. So they sign this contract. And then, you know, so I think, you know, maybe mistakenly some of the the producers might think that, oh, you know, whatever, you know, whatever happens here, they've consented to this. You know, they um, have, you know, they've assumed the risk. That this could happen, that there's going to be alcohol, that there's going to be this. They've watched the other seasons. They see how they see what takes place, you know. Um, And and so I think they think that they're covered. And then the question becomes when push comes to shove, if this ever resulted in some sort of litigation or some sort of criminal charges, how much truly are, you know, are um, the people at, you know, Warner Horizon protected by this? one-sided contract, um, you know, when when it's in court, when these people are just signing away and when they, you know, didn't take the necessary steps required to ensure the safety of, of the cast members. I think that's what that's what it comes down to. Was there some sort of um, negligence or some sort of recklessness by the by production in, um, you know, uh, in, in not ensuring the safety of the cast members? Just as someone who's been a part of this franchise and been through this experience, um, just obviously in reacting to these reports, like, do you feel like this creates a need for production to kind of have some self-examination and and think about whether they do, in fact, have the necessary mechanisms in place to protect the people they're bringing on these shows? It's interesting. I I know that on Chad's season of The Bachelorette, right, on that was JoJo's season. Yeah. You know, they did have security by the pool. I don't you know, some of that was staged, I, right. but obviously, but I think that they did have just in case there was a fist fight, you know, I mean, Paulie, God bless him, can handle a lot of things on his own, but not everything. And I think that they do have, you know, some more higher, some more security and some more some more of that. Um, but you know, to answer your question directly, I think, yeah, I think life is all about self, you know, uh, self-inspection. And, and I think that after this incident, certainly if this show survives and isn't canceled forever, uh, there are going to be some changes around here. You know, that's for sure. Um, and, you know, I think one of them will, will be, you know, the limiting, you know, people when people start to get physical with one another and maybe limiting the amount of of alcohol to an extent 
Um, and I think it's just, a, you know, it has to be a, a case-by-case thing. Is, you know, like, like we said, I mean, this was a storyline in last season with, with Chad and Lace, and it was supposed to be the storyline here. And, yeah, things got crazy last season, and a lot of people were like, that was gross and disgusting and should have been stopped long ago. But now a year later, people have sort of forgotten about it and are excited about season four, and we're excited to see Demario and Corinne get together, I'm sure. And if it had played out just like last season without this added, you know, darkness, you know, dark cloud and investigation, I don't think anything would have changed. I think it would have been yeah. the same. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, so as this news sort of came out, um, and you're sort of a, a part of this family of, of Bachelor alums, how did it feel to see all this starting to emerge? Well, at first, I at first I will admit I did not know exactly what had gone on, um, and I sort of like made a joke about it on Twitter, you know, with uh, tied in a Lordy. I hope there are tapes, James Comey reference. Um, yeah. But now that it's become a, a more serious, you know, su- more serious matter, I think it's you know it's sad um, and it's. It affects a lot of people that I that I care about, um, not necessarily these contestants or cast members, because I don't know many of them personally, at least not yet. Maybe I will know some people that are come were supposed to come on later, but for the producers, you know, especially you know some of the some of the producers that I've known for you know for what four or five years now, um, this was this show was you know was their their baby and they love this show and some of them love this show even more than they love doing the bachelor and bachelorette you know because mm-hmm. it is more you have there's a lot more freedom there it's um you're seeing like i said you're seeing people you know already and it's um you could there's a lot of license artistic license to do fun things like the cheesy intros and the I love those. you know yeah. yeah and the the animals that talk to claire and that talk to you know talk it's to everyone little, the crabs it's a little and the, cheekier yeah, it yeah. doesn't take itself and quite so as seriously so for them it's it's more a little more fun and it's and it's only three weeks of filming so it you know it's more fun so it does it does make me sad for them and i hope that personally they're not affected by this i mean the, the show is canceled they'll all be fine i mean the bachelorette's doing really well uh, you know the bachelor will be back mm-hmm. and they'll be fine but it is sort of um, it's a dark cloud, and it's it's hard to you know hear some of the some of the criticisms of of the show and of the people I know, and um, you know of these cast members who uh, you know I mean they like you know I think you Claire you said on on Twitter yesterday I believe you know they they are they're people I mean they are we are you know we do do this show and we do have a lot of fun and they we do reap the the benefits that come from it um, but. At the end of the day, I mean, these are these are people. These are not paid actors. These are not people who have had you know years and years of of acting. These are people who have left their left their lives to go do this for you know for fun or fame or whatever they do it for. Um, maybe love, uh, <laughs> but probably not. And um, and so yeah, you do you do feel bad. You do you do feel bad for them, and you do hope that um, for Demario and Corinne's sake that this doesn't affect the rest of their lives, you know, yeah. that, that they're, yeah. o- that they're both okay, physically, mentally, um, you know, reputation wise. I mean, it's important. Absolutely. Yeah. It's difficult to see how much, um, judgment is coming out before we really have any idea exactly what happened. Um, and I don't know if you've looked at the reactions on social media, um, 
<clears throat> but um, a lot of a lot of people are taking it in a very flippant way, I think, and and talking about how angry they are that these contestants ruined the show that they wanted to watch, engaging in some some racist and sexist comments about the people involved. Um, is that something that you've you've seen at all? I haven't seen that. Um, I haven't searched for it. I try to – I deal with enough Twitter trolls on my own. Uh, as you yeah. – not to get into that, but as you <laughs> women know, it's that um, I don't need to go search for it and, and I don't need to be more sort of let down by humanity, to so to speak. But, um, you know, I did see – so some of the reports and some of the articles we've read, you know, from The Hollywood Reporter, People, TMZ – have suggested that, and this this bothers me a little. This bothers me more than the public's opinion is that some of the cast members are annoyed and upset, not because whatever happened could have been prevented or someone might get hurt, but because basically this was their opportunity to gain an extra thirty thousand Instagram followers and and to you know to do a fun show, and and now they might not get that opportunity, and that sort of annoyed me. You know, even if you feel that way, and I can understand. Look, you especially if you left. Your job, which God, geez, guys, don't leave your jobs for this show. PSA sorry, for, P- for yeah, future, sorry, jeez, um, but but if you did and you scheduled your work, family, summer around this show, and you all this, you know, then I can understand you. You're being annoyed. Disappointment is natural, but keep that to yes. yourself. Keep yeah. that to yourself. There's a potential, you know. Investigate. There's an investigation going on, which potentially could uncover criminal activity or not. But at the very least, you know, two two people are are being affected and and maybe somewhat harmed. Um, you know, and I, I just think like keep those comments to yourself. Be upset uh, if you want um, that this happened. Be you know, but don't be don't complain that like this was your chance to do paradise and it's taken away from you. And I you know, so seeing some of that's kind of like a. Uh, I cringe. Yeah. yeah, I think it's probably, you know, a good lesson for for all of us to yeah. reserve judgment, reserve, you know, of course, selfish selfishly. I also enjoyed watching Paradise, but um maybe we can all consider the people at the center of this yeah. first have before like, right. have some exactly. perspective in life. You know, these are these are real people. Yes, it was a television show. Yes, we're all looking forward to it. Um uh, you know, myself included, I, I like to watch Bachelor in Paradise. It's fun to you know to see that dynamic. But you know, look, there's something that's bigger and, and that's bigger than than a television show and our enjoyment. And I think people should reserve judgment. And as far as people who are saying um, racially insensitive or sexist things, well, you know, those people shouldn't own a television or have Twitter anyway. I mean, I don't know what else to say about those people. I'll just bite my tongue and just say, you know, those people don't, you know, even deserve our time on this wonderful podcast. Yeah. And I think that's a a perfect note to end on. Thank you so much for talking with us, Michael. It's always um, truly a pleasure to have you on and hopefully we can have you back and um, we can be more, you know, fun and snarky next time. Yeah, maybe yeah. they'll do Bachelor Winter Games winter or whatever games. and yeah. then I'll come back and we'll have fun and talk about, you know, Bachelor curling or whatever they do. I really or, hope oh, there's yeah. Bachelor curling. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what we need. Thanks for listening to Here to Make Friends. And thanks, as always, to our producer, Nick Offenberg, and our guests, uh, Reality Steve and Michael Garofola. 
And um, that's all I have. Yeah, uh, we'll be back next week with another uh, more lighthearted recap of The Bachelorette. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.